Welcome everyone to this webinar this evening, a very special webinar discussion for the tablet um, to discuss the ecumenical pilgrimage of Pope Francis to South Sudan. Um, I think the forthcoming trip is going to be one of the most important of the Francis pontificate because it points to the critical role the churches can play in peace building uh, in a country such as South Sudan. And it's also an historic moment where church leaders will come together. Never before have a Pope, an Archbishop and a moderator participated jointly in a trip of this kind. So I'm delighted this discussion is taking place also during the week of prayer for Christian unity. As Amanda said, we are being joined this evening by Dr. Ian Greenshields, the moderator of the Church of Scotland Assembly, Archbishop Paul Gallagher, the Secretary for Relations with States of the Holy, for the Holy See, and Bishop Precious, Precious Omuku, who works at Lambeth Palace, working specifically on conflict resolution in sub-Saharan Africa, the representative of the Archbishop of Canterbury. So thank you all very much for being here. Um, I'd like to start um, with a question to the moderator, Dr. Greenshields. Um, South Sudan has been through decades of, of conflict. What impact do you hope this trip will have? I think that the the expectation is one that um, just in your opening remarks stand very clear that three three church leaders we see ourselves as a a smaller part in that, but nevertheless three church leaders representing the different constituencies in South Sudan uh, are going to be standing uh, in the same place together, uh, speaking uh, about the the peace and reconciliation that uh, is unique to the Christian faith uh, and hoping and praying that that very presence and what we say and what we do can have a, a positive and powerful impact on the Christian church there, but uh, a greater impact too on uh, national leaders uh, and uh, in the life generally of the people of South Sudan. Okay, um, Archbishop Paul, um, Pope Francis, has invested enormous energies seems into this south sudan trip in 2019 there was the retreat in the vatican where he famously kissed the feet of the south sudanese leader he sent you out there to prepare for this trip why is this so important to him well i think that the pope uh, ever since he became aware of the difficulties and challenges that South Sudan has been facing in the 10 years of its existence. I think he was profoundly moved by it and feels a, a moral and a spiritual obligation to do whatever he can, to do whatever he can and leave the rest of the Lord to some extent. But um, I think that's what's, what's been driving him, certainly with regard to the retreat uh, in the in the Vatican and the gestures that accompanied the conclusion of that, and uh, and now following up on this, now I think all of us recognise that it would have been much better if this trip could have been could have taken place maybe even up a couple of years ago or at least a year ago, um, but that wasn't possible for for many reasons, uh, COVID not least. Um, it's. South Sudan, I think, finds itself in a very difficult and dangerous uh, place now. So uh, the stakes possibly are higher than ever, and there's certainly a lot of fatigue and disappointment with the way things have gone 
in recent months. So I, I think that's what's driving him on. And uh, certainly it's, 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 a, it's a commitment, uh, as usual, with Pope Francis. There are quite a lot of people who are saying, well, maybe it's not the best time, maybe, but as far as he's concerned, it's the only time. It's the, in some ways, from mm -hmm. that, this is the Kairos moment, and he, he knows he must go. And I think his companions uh, share that conviction. And so he'll, it's, it's going ahead. Okay, thank you. And Bishop Precious, this is an ecumenical visit, um, but this is also a case in South Sudan of a conflict between Christians. Um, surely there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a contradiction and tension there because you know, the churches are supposed to take an opposite, uh, an opposite way to what we've seen. You're very correct. Um, the church is made up of human beings, and we all feel well. We're, we're, we're all uh, struggling to 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 with sin, and so it's not um, an impossible thing that um, we we have Christians uh, in conflict. Um, but above all of this, the church as the body of Christ has a duty, has a role to seek peace and pursue it. We're asked to seek peace and pursue it. And that's why you see um, the church coming together uh, to try to see what they can do. Uh, but let's step back. The church in South Sudan itself yeah. has been very active trying to um, see what they can do to build peace, to stop the conflict. and. Um, they have been helped all along uh, by their brothers in Africa and the wider world to try to see uh, how we can all come together to stop uh, the conflict. And in your own work, you've spent time in South Sudan. How has how has it been? How is it happening on the ground? What how, what are churches involved in doing in terms of to build peace? Well, you have to go back um, to pre-independence times where the, where the church was literally the, um, uh, figuratively the, 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 the external ministry of, 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 of the uh, putative South Sudan. Um, and they have had held the, the, the leadership to account. They've, uh, try to mediate in situations uh, to try to prevent uh, flares up. And right now they've got, they've developed what they call an action plan for peace, which is very, uh, is, is, is very detailed example of how they work down to the, to the diocesan, to the parish level, uh, at the community level to try to, uh, to, to mediate and you must we must give it to them they've been, they've been very very resilient in their acts in their actions okay thank you um to go back to um the moderator dr ian greenshields um to the outsider uh, when it comes to conflicts taking place in the world particularly someone like south sudan some some people may say oh well you know faith is is here justifying violence or 
you know, it's fueling the conflict. Religion is part of the problem. What do you say to those to those people who are, you know, taking that very secular point of view? I don't think that we can hide from from the fact that that may, in some occasions, have been the case. One of the interesting things um, to to take us into into British church society that's happened recently in Scotland, in particular, has been the the declaration of friendship between uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the Church of Scotland, called the Saint Margaret's Declaration, declaration which took place. Um, in uh, November last year, the signing of that between the Church of Scotland and the Roman Catholic Church, that, that was uh, a massive uh, event for us in Scotland uh, because the two signatories to that were both people who, who were born in and came out of the west of Scotland, which was uh, a deeply divided society in, in our time uh, when we were growing up. Uh, and yet, uh, here we were seeing this uh, very positive uh, declaration uh, as an attempt to uh, face up to uh, the sectarianism that did exist, questioning its right to exist, and stepping away from it completely. So, yes, I mean, religion can have a, a negative effect. It can be divisive sometimes, but it can also be... Uh, a reconciling thing too. I mean, uh, we have we have our common faith in Christ, uh, His declaration to us to be peacemakers, to uh, love one another uh, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, to love even our enemies. Um, so that the 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 clear indication, I think, uh, for us is that it's there. It's positive. It's good. There is something to offer. And I think the other thing that has to be remembered in, uh, in us going to South Sudan is we are being invited there. It's not uh, the church is saying we're, we're coming. It's a matter of we're being invited there by uh, the government uh, and the churches uh, to be hopefully part of, of a positive Christian movement that can make a difference. And Archbishop Paul, uh, when Francis goes to South Sudan, what what can we ex what kind of message can we expect from him? I mean, President Kiir Salva Kiir is a Catholic. Um, you know, you, you you've met him. Will we expect a challenge from the Pope to someone like President Kiir to 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 end the violence, or how will how will he approach it? Well, I, I think that the words that the Pope will address to all the political leadership in South Sudan will be uh, very uh, demanding indeed. You will have strong words uh, to say uh, to, to them. And um, he will be, above all, I think, trying to articulate the, uh, the voice of the people, which I think many... Uh, political observers would say, in criticism of the political leadership in South Sudan, uh, they are not sufficiently attentive to. They're not listening to their own people. They're not feeling uh, all the sufferings of the people, which we know have been great historically and in these last years, and which sadly, in, even in recent months, have been quite extreme. So I think there's going to be a rather uncompromising challenge to them. At the same time, it will be uh, a challenge which is 
put in ways of encouragement, encouraging them to grasp the moment and grasp this uh, situation and try to turn things around because uh, it does in many ways appear that uh, South Sudan is not going in the right direction and its leadership is not uh, the people and it's not leading the people in, in, in the right direction. So I think it's, it's going to be quite a tough uh, message and uh, I think folk will be hoping that uh, somebody uh, there will indeed be listening. Yeah. And as a Vatican diplomat, you often you're meeting people who perhaps yeah someone someone on the outside may say well how can you have a dialogue with with someone like that um uh, uh, someone who's been involved in conflict and wars and stuff how does the vatican approach that kind of encounter with a with a political leader whose people in the world might say gosh how do you how do you, how do you, how are you expecting to achieve anything there what is the vatican's philosophy and approach from that the Vatican's uh, philosophy is that if you're going to have influence over people, uh, over the direction of our world, you have, to, you have to deal with the people who are de facto in, in power or controlling a thing. Now that means you may have to uh, shake hands with a lot of people who others might consider uh, quite unsavory, but uh, this, this happens throughout the whole, whole of the world. Uh, I myself, in, in the course of a uh, uh, 40-odd year diplomatic career, have, have met lots, lots of people who um, uh, are now behind bars or uh, come to, came to a bad end. Um, but that is, I think, I think the way. And I, I think, actually, that that is, is, is profoundly Christian. I think you, you can't conduct either a diplomacy and maybe you can't even conduct Christian ministry if you're going to be terribly selective about who you talk to and who you negotiate with, you have to see, well, okay, if this is the person who calls the shots and this is the person who has the fate of thousands in his, in his hands, well, then we'll talk to him, hopefully having to have good influence. But uh, maybe, maybe you won't be successful, but it's certainly worth trying. Yes. And, and Bishop Precious, uh, clearly... South Sudan is, is quite a, um, uh, we could say, a believing society. Faith in the church is very important. So when the Pope and the Archbishop and the moderator there, people will presumably sit up and listen. How will they react, do you think, to the message that they're going to hear? And I, and I mean the leaders and also the people. I think I start with the people. It's been great expectations from them um, in our visits to um, to South Sudan, I went uh, a year ago, I think, with Archbishop uh, Paul, and um, you could see that there's huge expectation from them. They, 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 they watched. They have seen uh, clips of of the Pope kissing the feet of their leaders. They've listened to some of the homilies from um, uh, Archbishop Justin. And, uh, and from, from the moderator, moderator's predecessor. And they are full of expectation. They've had uh, a number of trips uh, along, this, uh, along this line. They, 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 they were part of the national dialogue 
uh, we give them an opportunity to express their hopes, their expectations. So with uh, these three principles going into South Sudan, a follow-up of the, uh, of the uh, retreat in the, at the Vatican, uh, the expectations are fever pitch. They're, they, they're, they're hoping something will happen. Now, uh, we continue to maintain dialogue with the leadership. Um, and it's mixed. They got mixed expectations. They, they, they know they've not um, done as they promised in Rome. Uh, they know that the world may be feeling uh, disappointed in them and they, they're expecting that some of those home truths will be told. Um, and they will be told, uh, the punches will not be pulled. Um, so we are praying that um, this time around, uh, maybe the, the, the dial will shift in the right direction. Um, we, we are people of hope. Uh, we'll continue to hope and pray. And as for the Archbishop of Canterbury, how important is it for him to be involved in a trip jointly with Pope Francis? He'll be one of the first to tell you that it's over 500 years that this type of thing ha happens, that the, uh, this joint type of thing. Uh, and uh, he's thankful uh, uh, at the, at the uh, show of love. Uh, and uh, I think uh, uh, we're all happy that as, as Christians, as brothers, we're in this joint venture to try and uh, achieve one of the mandates we've been given, that of reconciliation. Because mm. that's been a big part of his Archbishop Welby's ministry, hasn't it? Indeed. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Greenshields, what does it mean for you personally to be on this trip? Um, and can you tell us a bit more about the, the, the work of the Presbyterian Church in, in South Sudan, for those who may not be aware? The, the Presbyterian Church in South Sudan ha has got uh, a very large constituency there. Uh, and um, I, I think that if you ask me what it means to me, I, I suppose I would say I'm honoured, humbled, uh, would have to say honestly, a bit anxious as well, if I'm being truthful, uh, going out to to there, not not for my own safety, but simply just that anxiety that comes from from being involved in something as important as this. I do think that what needs to happen is that um, people are are held accountable uh, before God. Uh, I think that. Uh, that that's something that has already been spoken about uh, very clearly. That 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 sense of accountability um, is is spoken to to people. You know, it's, it's one thing to say that some of the, the leaders that we may speak to have faith. Faith demands action. <clears throat> action demands love. Love demands that we that we look towards uh, our neediest uh, brothers and sisters and that we do everything in our power to be able to make their lives better. Uh, and, uh, and I think just as Bishop Precious said, uh, no punch is pulled. We've got to uh, speak uh, truth to power. Uh, that's incumbent upon us as uh, believing people and as people who are being authentic and honest to God in 
in what we're seeking to do. And, and more than anything else, bringing hope to the vast majority of the people in South Sudan um, and, and praying and sincerely praying that um, they won't be frustrated at the end of this process, but they will see that there is evidence of a change of heart uh, and a change of direction. I think I'm right in saying that the Vice President Rick Mashar is a Presbyterian or from the Presbyterian Church. Will you, you'll hope to be seeing him when you're out there? Have you met him? Uh, I think that that's, in, yes, uh, we, we will be seeing him. We, we've been told that that will happen, yes. Okay. And uh, can you tell us a bit more about the, the work of the Presbyterian Church in, in South Sudan? You, you said there's a large constituency, but what kind of things is, is it involved in? Involved all obviously in, in its very core business of uh, of faith and uh, of you know spreading and and continuing to uh, emphasize the, the gospel there also in terms of education uh, and in terms of of you know looking after folks at uh, a, a whole lot of different levels and in, in medical care etc okay. um so the, the Presbyterians, along with the, the Catholic folks and along with the Anglican folks, um, they, they're all doing basically the same thing. Um, it, it's important that we we see this as an opportunity of standing together. This is the important thing about this. Yeah. This is the unique thing about it, which is so exciting about us standing together. Um, in the name of the one Lord that we we know, love, and serve, and and uh, tr trying to bring together something that um, can produce some kind of lasting change. If I may follow, if, if yeah. I may follow uh, what Ian just said, the the, the churches the, in in South Sudan have this unique uh, unity. Um, about them, the, the, the South Sudan Council of Churches acts mm. as one, especially uh, when it comes to the conflict they are facing and the and it maybe conflict has united them, but uh, they're, they're an example to other other churches where denomination doesn't really count too much. Right, and the and the churches in South Sudan were also very associated with South Sudan's independence as well. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, Archbishop Paul, I'd like to ask you about Pope Francis and his message for, for peace, because it, it, it seems he, he's not trying to offer kind of complex political solutions. He is making a he's been making a gospel based plea for peace to to stop the violence. Is that, is that the right way to understand what how Francis will approach this? Yes, there's he will be making no particular technical proposals. He'll be encouraging people to use the instruments that are already available to them and to which they have committed themselves already. Um, I, I think that that's what he, he, he will be doing. He'll be encouraging them. I, I think it's important that we uh, need to understand that uh, although the situation in South Sudan is very critical and though there's a great deal of suffering. I don't think that we are coming from uh, from the from the West and, and from Europe um, need to adopt a, a sort of uh, 
almost patronizing approach to mm. uh, the peoples of Africa. Um, because what the roots of, of, some of, the, of some of their problems, such as, 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 as tribalism, well, we, we, have, we have tribalism in our societies. We, we call it, uh, we have more elegant terminology for it, but, uh, you know, um, we, we do. And uh, we have uh, all sorts of di different, different tribes and different interests. So we, we shouldn't sort of look at, at South Sudan uh, from a point of view of uh, sort of pointing to their, 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 obviously their shortcomings and that and saying, well, of course, we're, we're completely different. We're, we're, we're much uh, superior in, in our approach to politics and conflict resolution. We, we have our conflicts and, uh, as well. I, I, I think that that's why, that, why the church leaders in South Sudan are so important because they are very much uh, representative of their peoples, of their tribes and of, the, of their groups. And they see uh, and, and preach very much the, the difference that, that in their own lives, the, the, the Christian faith has made to them. And therefore that's what we're, we're trying to get across and to give hope uh, to, to, to other people. That here is, here is a situation which is very grave indeed, which is causing suffering to thousands and thousands of people and which has claimed the lives of many more thousands. And yet there is, it is a message of basically of hope not of condemnation, but of, of reconciliation and of hope and ultimately of peace. And uh, this is something which we recognize that very much in our, in our societies and in our, our history has been achieved, sometimes in a very fragile way, but also at, at, at great cost as well. Yeah. So obviously there, there is, there is, a, a, there is a, a price to be paid to acquire, do these things, we're there to encourage people to to pay that price but it's, it's a price of faith it's a price of of uh, renouncing one's own personal interests for for the for the for the common interests and the good of the people and the country and what would you say to to people particularly in in the uk which is increasingly secularized who look at religion as part of the problem in in global conflicts what would you say to to to, to show about the to emphasise the importance of faith in reconciliation and in, and in solving, you know, in in solving these these intractable conflicts? Well, uh, I I think you you need to have a, a, a rather even rudimentary grasp of history. A number <laughs> of years ago, when I was was first back here in Rome, the bishops of uh, Sudan and South Sudan came uh, to see the Holy Father here. In, and we had a meeting with them afterwards. And I asked them, you know, how long do these, uh, these problems that you have exist? Is it, is it just from the uh, in gaining independence and uh, of South Sudan? And they said, no, th these, these problems have existed forever. They, these problems have existed before there, were, there was ever Christianity in, in the region. These are, these are deep human realities of problems of differences between peoples and tribes and that for which people now i think that it's true that religion can be manipulated and used for for, for many uh, wrong things but it can also is is maintaining i think the hope and the determination it is giving a lot of people in south sudan a reason to continue to work for peace 
and to, and to carry on. And I, th I think that religion, particularly in the context of South Sudan, where it means so much to uh, the South Sudanese people, is part of the solution and not part of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, Bishop Precious, I'd like to ask you um, a bit more of a, a theological question here. When you look at something like the, the, the conflict in South Sudan and the peace process, it seems you, to me you have to balance justice and mercy on the one hand, the violent needs to violence needs to stop, but there's also a demand for justice. You know, no peace, no justice. How do you balance those two things in a conflict such as this? Lord help me. Um, <laughs> it's it's um it's a delicate. We were I, I accompanied the Archbishop of Canterbury to 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 Egypt, and um we had a situation where uh, a, a former president was arrested and was facing the death penalty. And the only words that uh, Archbishop Justin could put forward were those, were, uh, those words he just mentioned, justice with mercy. And it so happened that uh, it resonated with, with a verse in the Quran and that was the theme of the broadcast throughout our stay that night and the next morning. It's something I would say that you will, you will have to recognize that people are, are, are human and we, are fail, we, are, we, fail, we do fail. And, um, and when crimes are committed, as in the case of South Sudan, um, we cannot wish those crimes away. We have to recognize that people have been hurt, harmed, that people have been killed in a, in a very massive scale. Um, and uh, the people who've done those things will have to answer to what they've done. Um, but then we have also have to have a milk of human kindness, we have to. Uh, I think uh, it's Archbishop Gallagher talked about the the tough love, the, the tough message that will be given. It will be given in love, so that that love will always be there in, in in every situation that we face. There will be even when if people have to face punishment, we have to remember that we are human. And there has to be love shown, shown uh, as, as, as they are called to account. And um, Dr. Greenshields, how would you look at those two things, bringing together justice? And how do I answer the unanswerable? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, well I, I suppose that um, forgiveness, love and justice are all found in the cross, aren't they, of Christ? That's at the very heart of our Christian faith. Um, and their, our, our call as Christians is to forgiveness principally, uh, the difficulty of that, the, the hard work of forgiveness. Um, when Jesus was confronted with that question by his own disciples, how often do I forgive? Uh, seven times. Um, and he said, no, seven times, uh, 70. And, you know, the, there is a, there's a real challenge in that. There's a, 
there's something in that that um, is forbiddingly difficult to have to do, to love your enemy, to pray for them, as Jesus also said there, uh, and to forgive. Uh, I think, too, that, that justice is something that has to be exercised, nevertheless, in a society where damage has been done to people. Um, but that's that's not at the, 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 the level of personal revenge. That's at the level of the state exercising righteousness. That's a very different thing altogether. And it's so complex because if you look at somewhere like South Sudan, if you look at our own personal histories um, in, in the West, um, how many people have been profoundly hurt, um, profoundly touched and damaged by, by violence? And, and how, do you, how do you change and reverse a situation where that's happened and, and do it in a way that is progressive and in a way that um, changes the heart of society? In, in some respects, South Africa taught us a great deal um, in that respect. Um, and, and maybe that's uh, 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 something that we can see as a way forward. Um, but certainly, if you're going to mention justice, then you have to also uh, equate love and forgiveness and mercy um, as as common with that as well. And Archbishop Paul, it's not a question of either or. How would you see it? Well, I, I, I see it as a process. I think that anybody who's tried to uh, understand what's been going on in South Sudan in recent years, realizes that there is a process going on. It's hit a few obstacles, not insignificant obstacles in that process. And, but I think that we also obviously realize that you, you can't achieve everything at the, the same time. Mm -hmm. You have to be, if you're evoking the Old Testament you know, idea that there is a time for everything. And maybe this is the time for the end of violence. There will come a time when we have, we'll have to seek the truth. And that we, there'll be a time when we have to seek reconciliation. Um, and, but I don't think you can bring all those things in a sort of magic uh, pot and uh, achieve it all, all in one go. What we're, what we're trying to do, I think, in the case of this, of this visit is to encourage people to move forward, to not uh, become discouraged and not abandon the process, but rather to try and uh, continue and, in fact, to renew. In fact, one of the, these, this document that they would do was the, the renewed agreement. And that. so um, that, that's, that's the way I see it. I think that... Um, Justice um, and uh, reconciliation are, are are very important, but we you can't really abandon any element in that process. We we saw in the in the post um, breakdown of the Soviet Union and the communist bloc there was a, a desperate it was scramble for for peace recognition in many countries. But um, reconciliation uh, is something that is still going on and something which is still unachieved in many of those countries and that they remain profoundly flawed and uh, 
in, in difficulty still to this day. So we, we, we would like to see South Sudan moving forward in a, in a very um, complete way. But we, we have to, I think, uh, also in the, in the international community and amongst the churches, have to be prepared to, uh, to understand the difficulties and the challenges that these people, at the same time as we're speaking uh, tough love to them, at the same time, we have to be able to, in a very um, fatherly uh, or pastoral way, encourage them to move forward and not to, not to uh, be overly um, negative and say, you know, this is, this is a, a terribly, an impossible, uh, hopeless situation. Not at all. We have to, it, has, it must be a message of hope for now and for the future, even though it's a long road ahead for them. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'd like to now go to some questions that have coming coming through um, as we approach the last part of the discussion. Um, there's a question from Jane. Now, I mean, it's up to each of the panelists who wants to take it first. But question from Jane says, is there anything we can learn from this forthcoming visit of dialogue with leadership in a conflict situation for Ukraine? Would there be a possibility of dialogue with the Russian Orthodox Church and President Putin in the future? Well, uh, Bishop Precious, would you like to say anything about that? That's uh, that's a, a, a tough one. I know um, that that the church has been nibbling at the at the problem quietly. Uh, I, I know that my principal has has uh, invested in in some action. We know, we hear rumors that. Um, the Catholics have also been uh, there quietly because of the delicate situation there. Most of what's been done is not uh, on the pages of the newspapers. Um, but yes, we have to seek peace and pursue it. That's our mandate, I'm afraid, because if we don't, someone is going to, God is going to ask questions of, of, of his church. Mm -hmm. So I expect um that that we will have to um embrace the issue address the issue aggressively um um even if quietly because the way if you keep listening to what's 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 coming from the airwaves one can only wonder the, the sort of outcomes that may 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 May, may present themselves to us. Um, so yes, the church must act uh, and soon too. Okay. Archbishop Paul, we know the Holy See and the, the Pope is, uh, are seeking dialogue. Is there anything you can say to, to Jane in this, in this regard? Well, I think the moderator said earlier that we're going, the Pope's going and the Archbishop's no more, and the, the moderator, because they are invited, and they're invited both by the churches and by the political leadership of the country to, to undertake this pilgrimage and, and visit. Um, I think what, what we have to be is ready should some um, extension of a hand, some, some indication of, of a desire for help should come from, from either, either party in the, in the conflict in, in Ukraine. Um, I, I think that you, it's very difficult to 
propose directly to them. And I think it's probably uh, other third parties who may have influence at a, a personal level with leadership, both in the in Russia and in Ukraine, who might be be able to encourage that leadership to um, extend and, and reach out to to the, to the churches. But it's uh, it's very difficult, uh, particularly when you get a mixture of national interests for um, church leadership and uh, political leadership to to in any way be separated in such a way that uh, I think that the, the churches from outside can uh, be effective in, in, in such mediation. So it's, it's not easy with the, the situation trying to get some kind of dialogue with either the Russian Orthodox Church or, or President Putin, despite the best efforts, despite the openness from the Holy See. Yes, no, it's, it's, it's a matter of, of just reiterating willingness and uh, grasping the few uh, contacts that, that there are. And uh, we, the Holy Father, I think, is determined to continue to do that, and we will do so on his behalf as well. Okay. And Dr. Grunschilz, how would you respond to this question about the parallels between Ukraine and the uh, and the South Sudan? Uh, I I could only just agree with the Archbishop. I think he's absolutely spot on that um, you know we're in a situation in Ukraine where um, it's very different from. South Sudan, we've been invited into something in South Sudan. Um, and and I'm sure there are those working behind the scenes who, who would be willing uh, for the church to be a catalyst in a situation like that, should they be invited to do so. Okay. Now we've got another question here from Ellen, who is asking about the impact of the government, UK government's reduction in its aid budget. Um, so she says, for example, in July last year, the UK government said it would stop giving aid to nine state hospitals in South Sudan. Um, should we be lobbying for this aid to be restored and increased and even increased? Dr. Greenshields. I think where there's evidence of, of real and substantial need and where we see our, our neighbour um, in desperate need, um, it would be a very callous heart indeed that would close their mind to uh, finding ways in which to assist people. Um, I, I'm not necessarily aware of the, the ins and outs of the situation that I could comment on them in that respect, but um, I, I don't think it is the sign of a a caring society, no matter what their financial situation may be, and, and we're still amongst the wealthiest countries in the world and living in the wealthiest part of the world, where we shouldn't uh, be ultimately open to making a difference in whatever way we can and and to diminish our responsibilities and our giving towards those in the greatest need, I don't think is a, a sign of a responsible society. Mm -hmm. Bishop Precious. I was tempted to say pass um, because, okay. <laughs> um, but as uh, as an African, I can I can attest to uh, the good uh, that 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 the the aid brings to 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 my part of the world. 
So anything to encourage it to continue, um, I would, I would, uh, I would uh, support. Okay. And Archbishop Paul, the principle of governments cutting their aid budgets. Well, we'll stick with the principle, shall we? I won't make any comment about, sure. <laughs> about uh, British policy, because that would be inappropriate as representing a foreign sure. power. Um, the yeah, I, I think so. We have to we have to uh, recognise that at, at this time, although it, it, it's true what the moderator was saying about our wealth and uh, uh, etc. At the same time, governments have some very difficult choices to make at, at the moment both in terms of uh, domestic support uh, of, uh, of cost of living and cost of energy, and then the question of whatever financial support governments choose to give to the conflict in Ukraine, and then to the development budget. It's a very difficult uh, thing to, to square. And uh, we have to, to recognise that there are some uh, changes um, are, are somewhat inevitable. But at the, at the same time, obviously, from a, a church's point of view, we believe that we uh, should indeed be as generous in a spirit of solidarity as possibly we can be. Um, now, I'd like to ask uh, on, a, on a more practical level, so people who, may, who are on the call may not be totally aware of what the programme is going to be in South Sudan and what each uh, leader is going to be doing. Um, Perhaps Bishop Precious could start by by explaining what you're doing um, when you're going out and what Archbishop uh, Welby will be doing when he's there. And then we go to the moderator. So just and then Archbishop Paul about the Pope's itinerary, just so that people are aware of what's happening and can uh, follow along, follow the tablets coverage, because um, I'll be out there as well. Um, and yes, if you could just give that give that debrief for people so that they know what to look out for? Yeah, I'll be part of the advanced team. I'll be leaving uh, at the end of this month ahead of uh, the, uh, the arrivals of the principals, uh, basically to walk the path and, and, and be sure that things are in place and in order. Um, Archbishop Justin will be coming in on the third and uh, we will await the arrival of the Holy Father and the, and the rest of the team. And you will be, the Archbishop will be with the Pope most of the time or all the time? Well, most of the time we have, um, we, we, we'll ha we have meetings, they'll have meetings with, um, with, the, with the leadership and also address uh, a cross-section of the community after that. Uh, and then we'll have an evening of, uh, of, of worship, an ecumenical night of worship. That would be, um, we'll also, they will also have uh, address um, people from, uh, the, the displaced people from, from camps who will be, uh, they will not be going to the camps, but, uh, People will be flown in and bust in to meet with the with the with the team, the, the visitors. Okay. And moderator, you'll be arriving at the same time as as Francis and doing it, following a similar itinerary. I, I think we arrive at the same time as the Archbishop, um, okay. and just a kind of day ahead. 
Uh, yeah, very much what uh, Bishop Precious said. Um, we'll be there for, for prayer, for worship. Um, we'll be there to listen to the people. We'll be there to speak um, uh, to and with uh, the leadership of the country. And we'll be there to speak to uh, our own definitive constituencies, Presbyterian, Anglican and Catholic, you know, to spend time uh, with the leadership of the various uh, different uh, Christian groupings that are there to, to try to understand better who they are and uh, listen to their, their questions, their, um, their dreams, their thoughts, how... Uh, as Archbishop Precious said, Precious said already, you know, that there already is a very strong sense of the, the different Christian constituencies working closely together. Um, and it's in whatever way we can encourage that and support it um, while we're there. And maybe just the very fact of us being there, uh, the three together uh, will be in itself a statement without saying anything at all. Uh, but uh, a very strong statement. And Archbishop Paul, of course, Francis will be coming from the Democratic Republic of Congo into South Sudan. Um, can, yes, can you tell us a little bit about what the, the visit's going to look like? From the... Well, um, when, when the uh, papal plane arrives in Juba, there will be, you know, the usual sort of welcome events, and then he'll move on to the accompanied by the archbishop and the moderator to the presidential palace where they, they will have a private meeting with the president and then there is a uh, there'll be a meeting also between myself some of my colleagues the cardinal secretary of state the moderator the archbishop with uh, the vice presidents while the pope is talking to the president and uh, then there is a meeting uh, with the other political authorities, civil society, and uh, representatives of the diplomatic corps in Juba, and uh, there's a paper speech for that. Then that's on the day of the arrival on on the fourth, which is the I say the, the main day of of the visit. There's a, a meeting with the Pope and the Catholic bishops and priests and deacons and religious in the in the cathedral. Then there is the meeting, which will be referred to by Bishop Precious with the displaced people. And uh, then that, that day, the second part of it will be the uh, moment of ecumenical, the ecumenical service. And the following day, then there is uh, the Pope will preside at Mass for the Catholic community in the John Garang uh, Stadium. So it's a little bit linked around these, shall we say, major events. Obviously, the Pope will be having also private meetings with the other, other people within the Catholic community and elsewhere while he's there at the, at the, uh, the nunciature. And uh, then, yeah, I think that that's yeah. more yeah, or less. I think that gives a good, a good overview. Um, there's a question from Ellen about are there plans to meet with women's groups and hear their perspectives? What I do know, I can say to Ellen, I spoke to uh, a nun, Sister Orla Tracy, who's runs two schools in Rumbeck um, and a health facility. She uh, is a, a prominent leader out there. She apparently is walking uh, for 150 kilometers 
of the 400 kilometers from Rumbek to Juba with a big group of young people and they're performing, um, uh, diff having different performances to, to uh, emphasize the message of, of compassion and forgiveness. I think Bishop Precious knows about this. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, uh, the, 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 they call it a march for peace. And um, they will be, it's, it's quite a, a, long, a long walk. Uh, Nine days. It is indeed, um, and and this will also advertise the visit and 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 and, and share with the those who will not be going there uh, what they're doing and, and their expectations. Because presumably, for, for well, for the people in South Sudan, there may it may not be very easy just to drop everything and 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 take part in papal events. I mean. What's it? Can you give us a sense of what it must be like for, for people out there? Is it possible just to turn out in thousands to these kind of these events? I can say uh, without fear of contradiction that people will propel themselves to go uh, by whatever means to go to to go to Juba. Um, I know uh, uh, some of the uh, people in, in the parishes. Uh, arranging how they'll get themselves to the place. Um, again, talking about uh, what such an event uh, in my home country, Nigeria, people went from hundreds of miles to, to go to get themselves to Abuja to, to when uh, uh, St. John Paul uh, visited uh, uh, as Pope then. Okay. And I think that we have to realize that this is, and people will appreciate this, this is a once in a lifetime event yeah, and, yeah. and people will do anything and uh, to, to, to be there and to be able to tell their grandchildren, great grandchildren, we were there when, when, the, mm -hmm. when the Pope and the Archbishop and the moderator came and it, yeah. it's, it's somewhat, I think that's a good thing to appreciate because it's rather humbling to think that people will make this enormous effort and invest yeah. energy, possibly money as well, in order to be present. Mm. Certainly a one-off. Um, and just, just finally, given the ecumenical significance of this, and that we are in the week of prayer of Christian unity, this is surely a model that can be followed and taken up at the local level. Is that something that you think can can happen um let's say even in the uk even in in in, in local contexts. surely this is something that can be that offers a model for leaders across the world i know it's already we already have ecumenical collaboration in, in many parts of the world but there is certainly a lot of pressure to to focus on divisions at this time isn't there rather than what unites us so is this something that you hope and i ask the moderator this that, that can be taken up um at the local level you mentioned the declaration of Margaret's declaration yeah 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 I mean I, I think that's something that um curiously enough uh, as as the kind of influence of the church diminishes in the United Kingdom we're, we're beginning to see churches coming more and more together uh, and uh, strong ecumenical uh, bonds uh, particularly in Scotland I, I, I not I'm aware of it, other places uh, in in Europe and in other parts of the world where that's that's also the case. But it's uh, it's encouraging to me anyway just to see the ways in which um, all of the major denominations and others too 
uh, are prepared uh, to just uh, find find ways of of expressing friendship and unity together uh, and working together for the greater good. And Bishop Precious, is this something that can be a model that can be followed in the UK and, and more broadly? I think this is a wonderful uh, model. One of the Psalms talks about the blessings that God um, uh, visits to uh, to brothers when they when they meet together. The 133rd Psalm. Um, so yes, I think it is something that uh, should be encouraged. Um, is for us to look for uh, opportunities where we can uh, drop everything that divides us uh, and, and, and focus on how we can uh, go for the greater good. Okay. And Archbishop Paul, Francis often talks about an ecumenism of action. This is possibly the most um, powerful witness to that. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, I think it's, 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 it is groundbreaking. There's not much doubt about that. I think whether whether it's uh, applicable to other situations or thing, I think we have to answer that question at the end of the visit, rather than <laughs> the beginning of the visit. Let's <laughs> let's see how things go. Um, all I would say is, if looking at it as a matter of principle, obviously I, I'm I'm not based in the UK, but if you go back to uh, decades ago in my home city of Liverpool, um, Archbishop Derek Warlock and David Shepherd, the Anglican bishop established a principle which was then uh, continued and immortalized in, in a book uh, that they wrote together called Better Together. And mm -hmm. I, I think that principle is, is still true. And I think it's a reality in, in an awful lot yeah. of places that, uh, that people are, are working together. And uh, I think that here, even here in Rome, we, we constantly see uh, ecumenical initiatives. And me, admittedly, it, sometimes they tend to be amongst the English-speaking communities, but there are bigger uh, things being uh, uh, animated by the community of Sant'Egidio and by other other, other bishops' organisations and communities. But uh, it, uh, I, I think that yeah, it's it's going to be something that will will become more common to the point where it will will no longer be commenting about it because it will be the usual way of approaching uh, challenges of this kind. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And on that note, I'd like to uh, conclude the discussion and, and thank you all, uh, all the panelists and everyone who took part in this, um, fact, to thank you all for, for taking the time. Um, first of all, to, to the moderator, Dr. Ian Greenshields, thank you. Uh, for your insights. Um, Archbishop Paul, thank you for taking the time to share uh, your thoughts and insights and to Bishop Precious for all your uh, uh, contribution as well. So thank you very much, all three of you. And um, I look forward to seeing you in Juba. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. 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 Take care. Thank you. Um, thank you every, ever so much for all of you for, for such a stimulating and, and really a good overview of, of what the, the trip holds for, for all of us. Obviously, all of the uh, contents of the trip, we have first-hand uh, coverage because Christopher will be out with um, the Pope um, on the plane and all of the coverage will be in the tablet. 